0: It is December 13th, Matt Wehmeyer talking Reds baseball today with Mark Sheldon, but uh, unlike previous podcasts, I've got Mark here in person in our Chelsea Market Studios in New York City, and Mark is in for the holiday party, that's as good a reason as any to, to come to the Big Apple. Mark, how's it going?
1: It's going great, it's good to see where the magic happens, of course, <laughs> so it's uh, thank you for uh, letting me come into your dojo here.
0: Of course, well thank you for allowing us to do a little uh, sit-down fireside chat here as we talk uh, all things Cincinnati Reds right now. And uh, Mark, let's go back to the recently completed winter meetings in Washington, D.C. Uh, no major deals for the Reds at those meetings. Was that, uh, you know, kind of by design or are they in a position where they want to, you know, gauge the market and wait for some price tags to come down? What's what's their mentality right now?
1: That's That's half of it. I think they definitely wanted to gauge the market, see where the prices went. But I think the other half is they came to the winter meetings hoping they could find some takers to unclog their middle infield depth uh, for Brandon Phillips and Zach Cozart. And they're finding that the, the, the needs and the demands for middle infield isn't really there right now. And not just because of these particular players, but it's just like that league wide, the Mariners may have been a fit for, for Cozart, but they traded for Gene Segura over Thanksgiving. And that kind of nullified one of the potential fits. So uh, they have to sit on those guys for now and see what happens. On the other half, uh, they're looking for some free agent relievers, and they want to see where the prices go. Obviously, they're not going to be swimming in the, in the deep sea for the, the high price guys. They're going to wait for some lower prices. And I think the other thing is, while they were looking to trade the middle infielders, they were uh, receiving some trade offers for
0: guys uh, that they weren't necessarily prepared to trade. Now, going back to the uh, the deal that uh, fell through uh, for Zach Kozart potentially going to Seattle, what was it about Segura that maybe appealed to Seattle more than Kozart? Was it just a thing where it, it was presented to them and, and they, they took it, or do they like Segura more than Kozart? Well, I, didn't,
1: I don't know the nuances of that deal other than the fact that a lot of very young, talented people went back and forth. I mean, Kettle Marte and uh, Taiwan Walker, excuse me. <laughs> Um, so I know there must have been other people in the trade. So I don't, I don't know what prompted Seattle to get Segura or what the Reds were asking for in, in Cozart. I never did hear how far those talks got, but. Uh, you know Cozart is an attractive option just because he has a, only a year left and he 's not making a lot of money before he has to go to free agency and maybe maybe Seattle wanted something a little bit more long term who knows
0: now when you when you look at uh, you know Cozart as opposed to Phillips, I know Cozart is uh, is younger than Phillips uh, Phillips of course in, in the you know the, the back nine of his career if that 's how you want to put it. What kind of a market do you think is there for a guy that you know has a track record is still putting up numbers, but youth is not on a, on his side right now for Cozart for, uh, for for Phillips? Oh, excuse me. Not. I mean,
1: the problem with Phillips is is, is so multi layered. Is number one, he's making fourteen million dollars. Actually, number one a above that is that he's got a no trade clause. Hmm. So any deal that that does come up, he has to approve. And uh, then you have the fourteen million. Then you have the fact that he's almost thirty six years old in June. And then you throw in the fact that he's not quite the second baseman he once was. He, he still makes him a you know flashy, nice defensive play, but he's not one of the top ten defensive second baseman. And offensively, he doesn't hit for power anymore. He's pretty much a, a singles, to somewhat of a doubles hitter. So uh, there's, it's really tough to find a, a good fit. The Angels just got uh, Espinoza, and they're going to put him at second base. That may have been the one fit for Cozart. I mean, for uh, for Phillips there. But I do know that the Angels uh, and Reds never talked about even moving Phillips that way. So it's uh, they might be tough. They might be having to go into the season with both of those guys and then trying to find a place for Jose Peraza to play. That's the whole reason why they're looking to move one of these guys is that they can give their young 22-year-old an opportunity to play every day. They feel like like he's good enough to do that. And now they might be faced with a situation where they have to take away playing time from – Two to four regulars, so they can wedge uh, Peraz into the lineup.
0: Having uh, known Brandon Phillips as you have for a number of years, and knowing his, his personality, I know with some guys it's it's going to be kind of a tough sell to say, "Hey, you know what? We've got a younger guy. You know, we need to get him some playing time, which therefore means your playing time decreases." Again, knowing him, and you've got a look on your face. <laughs> knowing him as you do, uh, is this going to be an awkward situation with him? if he remains a red into 2017
1: in a word yes okay (laughs) I think yes I think it won't go over well I I will give Phillips a lot of credit he likes to play he does not like to come out of games he does not like to sit out he broke his hand in July was hit by a Jose Fernandez pitch I think he missed one day Hmm. or maybe two days but he did not miss any other days after that he wanted to play Actually, I take it back. He didn't miss a day uh, after he, breaking his hand. Didn't after miss breaking any time. his hand, he did not miss any time. He got drilled by a, a Noah Syndergaard fastball in the hand in in April of this the past season, and he took a ball off the shin. He missed a couple of days. He does not like going on the DL. He once came back from thumb surgery after like five weeks, you know, a couple of seasons ago. So I give him credit that he does not want to give up time if he doesn't have to, and obviously it might be tough for him to be told he may have to sit up. They haven't told him that yet. I mean, right now, Brian Price and Dick Williams are talking about Peraza, if nothing changes, playing four days a week, and they can put him at shortstop. They can put him at second base, left field, or center field. So you, you take those four regular guys, and they may have to either move people around or have a guy sit for a game and then and, and figure it out.
0: And, and like you said, it, it's a tough – kind of balancing act because you love guys who are gamers you love guys who want to be in there and play through pain through injury through you know who knows what but at the same time given the the situation with the that the franchise is in with these young guys who have to get in there it could be awkward so uh we'll we'll see what happens in uh, in 2017 where Brandon Phillips is concerned uh Mark moving on to the the pitching side of things we were commenting before we uh, hit the airwaves here that uh, the Reds have gotten some calls on guys like Straley and uh, uh Any any progress or anything to report there, or just a bunch of smoke?
1: I, I think it's one of those things where they aren't really calling anybody untouchable. They're they willing to listen on offers, and I think what they ended up encountering, especially in a weak starting pitcher or free agent market, that, that starting pitchers were in demand, and there, there's two of them there that, that demonstrated some pretty good success last season. Um, and both of them are under club control for four more years, which makes them even more attractive, especially D. Sclafani. Mm-hmm. So I think what they did was they listened, and they made sure that the clubs knew they were going to ask for the world. And so far, it doesn't sound like there's been any hits. I know the Rangers in particular were after not only Di Sclafani and Straley, but also were interested in Billy Hamilton. So mm-hmm. uh, the Reds apparently asked for a lot back, and they haven't found a match yet. I would think the Reds would... Unless they were blown away, would would not trade any of those guys because they like even though they are rebuilding, these were three pieces, especially Desclafani and Hamilton, that were expected to be part of the team when they came around again. And the Reds are also so short on dependable starting pitching. They have a lot of young kids. They if they trade Straley or and or Desclafani, they really don't have anyone to fill in those innings. And I think that would be a big mistake, especially since they're looking for a veteran starter, possibly for the rotation. And it would cost a lot more to go sign somebody than to keep the guys they already have.
0: Yeah, I, I think those are guys that you build around given the state of the franchise right now, unless you are completely blown away. They're offering four Mike Trouts or something. Right. You keep a guy like Anthony DiSclefani. Can you see a guy like him that uh, nicknamed Disco, which I love, one of the best nicknames in baseball, can you see a guy like him becoming a true bona fide number one next season?
1: I, I, I could see him being a number one for the Reds, but I don't see him. He doesn't profile as a typical number one. He's not the power... You know, Syndergaard kind of guy. I thought it was ninety-eight. He's more of a of a consistent, steady guy, uh, but you know, I could. But he's also got the, the consistency to go seven innings every time or eight innings. He threw his first complete game shutout last season, so he's definitely if if he's healthy, he's definitely capable of being a two-hundred inning, dependable, potential all-star pitcher. Uh, whether it's an ace, what w- remains to be seen, but they definitely have a, a good picture that they don't want to give up so easily.
0: Uh, to begin to wrap up here, uh, Devin Masarocco has been pretty vocal in saying, uh, I'm not only going to be back in 2017, I'm going to be the number one guy. Thoughts on that.
1: He, he says it and you know, his rehab's going well. Tucker Barnhart, who would be the number two guy believes that Devin should be the number one guy because the, if he's healthy, he can hit 25 homers. But after 39 games over the last two seasons, a a surgery on each hip and a left shoulder surgery, uh, it's easy to be skeptical. He's going to have to go out and prove it on the field that he can do it. I think what they're planning on doing is maybe some sort of hybrid. They don't expect him to catch 140 games. Mm -hmm. They're going to have to come up with a way to to get him enough playing time, but also not bury him so he doesn't get hurt and and then see what he does. And if he gets better and, and feels better, they can keep using him. But uh, right now, they got Barnhart as a as a as a as a guy that they can fall back to, which is a you know he proved he could be an everyday catcher. And they're looking the market for maybe a third catcher just in case they have some extra depth.
0: Yeah, if nothing else, they've got depth behind the plate, certainly between a healthy Mazzarocco, presumably, and Tucker Barnhart. We saw what he did last season. Uh, Mark, if, there, if there's one thing uh, you know under the Reds Christmas tree, there's something you want to see them do, uh, something you really want to see them uh, a way they can improve the team right now, immediately. What do you think it could be?
1: That's a good question. I, I really I don't uh, I, I know Reds fans obviously would like them to go out and sign a big time you know player with a lot of you know for a lot of money, but that's not going to happen. I think what they really just need to do is is find uh, a way for Jose Peraza to play every day. Maybe find a reliever that can supplement with what Jose uh, Iglesias and Michael Lorenzen are doing. They definitely are planning on some sort of. Uh, what the you know kind of in the mold of what the Cubs and Indians and Dodgers did in the postseason, some sort of multi-tiered multi-closer uh, format where lots of different relievers can pitch, and maybe the Indi- uh, the relievers get you know fewer outings but more innings. So I think if they Reds fans will. You though you don't want to go out and build your team around your your offseason uh, campaign around. They added a bullpen guy, but that's what they kind of need right now. And I think as long as they don't spend too much or give up too much, I think that's not much. You know, it's, that's a pretty okay ask.
0: It'll be an interesting few weeks uh, for the Reds. And, uh, Mark, where is a lunch going to be today in New York City? Well, a lot I, of options.
1: Yeah, I had uh I was so hungry after my, my delayed flight and my long cab ride, I grabbed a slice of pizza right before I came here. Okay. So I, I crushed that and now figure out. Of course, I got the black and white cookie. That's yeah. a big-time New York thing. I have that to do is. that every time I come back. Yep. And so I'll figure out dinner. I'll,
0: I'll improvise. There you go. Well, like I said, no, short of, uh, no shortage of options here in New York City as far as food and adult beverages go. Mark Sheldon, uh, great to have this little uh, one-on-one chat. We'll hopefully do it again soon. In the meantime, Matt Wehmeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras Cincinnati Reds.